Gardening Talk back this Monday afternoon. Now, Judy, you mentioned earlier this new bug that's coming out. And it's not a good bug, though. It's a bad bug. It's a very bad bug. Uh, it is called Paroxides Calypso. Calypso. Well, it's... I think we're just going to call it Calypso, aren't we? I'm sure we're going to call it Calypso, Calypso. Greg. Yeah, <laughs> Paroxides Calypso. It um, is has just been discovered, and it's attacking lily pillies. Okay. A lot of people have lily pilly hedges, Greg, and yep. they have been coming in presenting these leaves that have been chewed. And to be quite honest, the majority of us have thought they were being chewed by grasshoppers. And they're not. They're being chewed by Calypso. Okay, so grasshoppers have been wrongly, wrongly blamed in this wrongly time. Wrongly blamed and wrongly treated, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and the Calypso is such a funny little fellow. Yep. He's about uh, lady beetle size, oh, okay. but he's bright green. You would not believe he could do the kind of damage he's doing to lily pillies. Okay, so he looks quite nice. but He looks quite nice. Um and in America, they control this uh, this little beetle with a product called neem oil. Right. Neem which, oil. Which is? Well, we do have it. It's an eco-friendly oil. Yep. We do sell it in Australia. We do supply it. But we don't, the government here haven't put the authorisation on it yet for this beetle. But that doesn't mean that you wouldn't try it if your lily pillage has been decimated. Um, you know, if you find the neem oils fairly expensive, which it is, uh, I'd be suggesting that you try uh, Malathon. Right. But definitely in America, neem oil is doing the job. And it is only on the east coast of Australia. Now, the theory is that because we use it so much for hedging, it uh, provides this wonderful haven for them. Oh, okay. And I do believe single plants aren't being attacked by Calypso. Oh. They love the hedges. And so they've been chewed all around the edges, just as though uh, a grasshopper's sitting there peck, peck, pecking. Yep. Now, I'm sure listeners out there today will have been concerned about what's eating their lily-pilly hedge. Well, it is Calypso. Calypso. It's not a grasshopper. I do like the name, though, as well, Calypso. Yeah, I do, too. So it looks nice. But it's pretty. It's it bright green. It's bright green. And, you know, you probably looked at him and thought, oh, you couldn't be doing that kind of damage yep. because the damage is quite intensive, okay. really wrecking the hedges, yeah. So something to keep an eye out for? Oh, definitely. Oh, everyone's got their eye on it. I can tell you they've been coming in and out like yo-yos looking for a solution. <laughs> well, now we know the solution. Very good. It's Guarding Talk back on 2 and you are at FM. We've got Marie from Ellawong, and she's got a question about using chook manure on tomato plants. Hello. Oh, hi, Judy. Hi, how are you today? Fine, thank you. Yes, I've, I've got some chook manure here and I've got some tomato plants and I didn't know whether it might be too strong to put around the tomato plants. Oh, look, it's just rule of thumb, really, Marie, that uh, in summer you use cow manure on vegetables. And right. flowers. Uh, most winter vegetables like poultry manure, the brassicas, you know, cabbage, cauliflower, um, Brussels sprouts, they love poultry manure because it's alkaline. Yes. Whereas, yes. yeah, um, the summer vegetables seem to like an acidic soil, so you probably honestly would be better off getting some cow manure. And the other reason too, Marie, is that it holds moisture in the soil more than the poultry manure. Oh, all right then. Oh, you good. Don't. Yes. Well, thank you for that. Yes, I, I was just a bit, I was, you know, I've got some here and I was li just a little bit hesitant to put it on in case it was too strong. Yeah, well, it won't be too strong, but it's probably not going to do the job for you, that's all. 
<laughs> no. And have you got time to answer another little question yes, or not? certainly, certainly. Uh, I'm getting... I've only got a very small jacaranda, but it's getting like a fungus on the uh, stem of it. Or, right. When you say a fungus, is it white well, or it, is it black? Well, it's white, yes. And if you scrape it with your fingernail, it sort of will come off. Right. And it's not a scale insect. Oh, well, I can't see anything there that looks like an insect. Okay, right, yeah. So have you any copper oxychloride at home? No, but I can get some. Yeah, or mancozeb? Right, no, I haven't got any. Okay, so really all you need to do is simply go and buy a good fungicide and right. spray it. Uh, and have you got flowers on it is uh, more no, important. No, it's, it's only a very it's small one. It's only a one. baby it, one. It, yes, it's hard where I am out here, you know, with the elements, it's... It, to get anything to grow, it's wonderful. Yes, so, to keep the water uh, up to them. But jacarandas, you know, can be fussy little devils. Uh, sometimes they flower and sometimes they don't. Uh, I've noticed this year they are in masses of flower and I find that that happens when we've had a dry period. They panic and they think they're going to die, so they, they try to reproduce. Oh, that's interesting. And over the years, I've had a lot of questions about why don't jacarandas flower every year, and I have a theory that you've got to go out and hit it with a great big stick, and it gives <laughs> it a shock, Greg. That isn't. It's in the Yates Garden Guide. Really? Yes. What was it? What was it written? I wrote it at one stage. <laughs> no, truly, Marie, um, but you enjoy your jacaranda and it probably would like a little bit of cow manure, but not now. Wait till the weather cools down. Lovely. All right, Judy, thank you very much for your help. You're quite welcome. Bye. <laughs> right. Bye. Actually, I've heard Scott mention that a few weeks ago, hitting the plant with a stick. Yeah, you know, he copies me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> You'll leave wide open here for him today, Greg. Oh, I'm enjoying every minute of it as well. <laughs> We've got Ron now from Arcadia Vale. Hello, Hello Ron. Ron. Excuse me. G'day, Judy. I turned around and uh, my wife and I have got a big property here at Arcadia Vale and we've been here a long time. We're in our 70s, but we, uh, we've got just about every weed that you can name. We uh, have looked at ground covers. At present, I've got a Namusha's run in down the front yard and they look quite quite good, but I thought I'd have a couple of different colours in them, and I've got a packet of nasturtium seed, and it's dual mix, and, excuse me, and it says on it that it's an annual. Oh, look, nasturtiums tend to be a perennial. What will happen, even though it will flower and produce uh, for, for you the first year, the flowers will drop seed. And it will keep producing for you. Yes. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, no, don't panic. They will definitely seed and keep on going for you. I, was, I just came back from Dobell Park at Wanji, and it's on the waterfront there uh, on the south side of Dobell Park, and it's been there for years, you know. So, yeah, and I think, you know, I might be able to smother some of our weeds with it. Oh, definitely, yeah. And, uh, you know, another good one is... Um, uh, silver, um, yeah, dichondra. Silver bills dichondra. I thought you were going to say convolvulus. I got the blue and white convolvulus and it's climbed the trees. Yeah, the convolvulus is good too, but uh, yeah, yeah. But if you want a little bit of contrast, the silver bills dichondra is really lovely and it makes a good carpet and it's very, very tough. I I have seen it. Yes, I think the councils use it a lot. Oh, do they? Yes. Oh, I didn't think they were that 
advanced. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks very much, Judy. Thanks Thank very you. much, Ron. And, and when you're in your 70s, you're still young chicken. Ah, <laughs> oh, you really made my day. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Cheers, Ron. We've got Lynn from Cameron Park. and she's Hello. got. A... Hi, Lynn. How are you? You've got a question about flying bugs. Well, yeah, I'd like to ask... Oh, good afternoon to the both of you, by the way. Um, I'd like to ask about... I have a black flying insect, like no longer than a fly, but very thin. Seems to be flying low all around my roses, and I've noted heaps of, like, aphids on my roses. There are a few of those flying things in my veggie garden, but they seem to hang around the roses all the time. And I've done the, you know, the thrip thing. I've done the white oil... It seems to be cutting them back a bit, but I thought that might have been the bug Judy was going to speak about today because I haven't seen it before. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't think Calypso is that one. Uh, Calypso is a really pretty green one, a little bit like a lady beetle. Oh, no, no. This is black. <laughs> yeah. Now, that black bug could be flying around eating the thrip or the oh, so I, sh- I shouldn't kill it. My husband said fly Spray it with fly spray. Oh, did he? He's oh. Oh. a cruel man, isn't he? Now, what if I told you? What if I said to you now they're probably native bees? How's he going to feel? Oh my goodness! Because he buys he buys native bees like the honey from up the road. Well, you tell him to be careful. He might be just getting the native bees there. Look, um, Lynn, whenever you spray, you spray late in the afternoon, and bees and native bees hopefully have all gone to bed by then. Oh, um, uh, yeah. What did you say you sprayed the aphids with? Um, I sprayed them with um, oh, the, the, the one that does for thrip and um, aphid spray. Oh, it's already mixed up. Um, well, I buy it and I mix it up. Right, I think right. it's pest oil or something. Right, okay. And then I have sprayed it with white oil thinking that, okay, it's too sticky, they won't get on it. But I have lessened them a lot, but they they were about old old measurement, right? About eight to a quarter inch thick on the stems, the aphids. Right, okay. Look, if you just buy a pyrethrum spray, you will probably find that'll do the job for you just as well as anything else. I, oh, I wouldn't do the white oil. I think it might burn your roses in this kind of temperature. Oh, okay. And I just have one more quick question. Um, the In my trees, I've noticed cobwebs <clears throat> in some of my ficus and some of my Japanese maple, a cobwebby thing. Um, is that a, a spider... It is probably a spider, uh, which uh, it's not. um, There is a dreaded bug that attacks natives and creates a web around themselves, but not in those kind of plants. Look, I would suggest when you get the pyrethrum to use that too. Yep, all right, I'll do that. Look, thank you so, so much. That's okay. I hope it's solved it for you, but leave the white oil off the roses. Yeah, well, okay. (laughs) Thank you. Trial and error. Oh, that's, all, that's what it's all about. Maybe trial and error with your hubby too. Oh, maybe, okay. cha- maybe, maybe swap him for a newie. Oh, well, I'll put an ad out for him. <laughs> okay, put then. him on Facebook. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. And we've got Helen from Lower Belford. How are you, Helen? I'm well, thank you. Good afternoon, Helen. Hello, Judy. Judy, I've got a couple of um, little questions. 
Firstly, I usually buy some cyclamen in pots in autumn, ready for winter flowering. And um, I'm just wondering, what do you do with them when they're finished? You know, when the leaves die off and the flowers die off. Um, sometimes I've stuck them in the garden, sometimes they've come up, come up, other times they haven't. But do you turn the pot on the side in a shady position and not water them until next autumn? Yeah, look, that is one solution, Helen. Uh, but the secret is you need to mark on your calendar for next year, March. Mm-hmm. March, March is their trigger time. That's when you start to water them again and right. perhaps repot them and fertilise them. Ah, right. So you repot them. Yes. That's but look, cool. I have always planted my old ones out in the garden and, yes, yeah, sometimes they come up, sometimes they don't. But that yeah. can also be because they've gone dormant and you have to remember in March to put a bit of fertiliser around and start watering them again. And what sort of fertiliser would I use? Oh, look, African violet fertiliser is really good. Or the, here's the magic word again, sulphate of potash. <laughs> Oh, yes, right here then. <laughs> That's good. That's an old one. Now, the other question, um, I got some seeds from my father about 40-odd years ago, and uh, he called them scallion, Irish leek. And uh, I would grow them in the garden, let them go to seed, save the seed, put them in the fridge so in a bottle. Next season, I'd sow them again, and et cetera, et cetera. And yesterday, I was in the garden, and he was a lovely fat one, and I thought, I'm going to use that. But how do I use it? Is it just like an ordinary Welsh leek or what? Uh, Well, I would imagine it is. Um, I've never grown them myself, I have to confess. And I'm also not a very good chef, as um, Scott Sharp would tell you next time you're talking to him. Oh, God. Um, No, I'm not. I'm dreadful. Um, I can grow anything, but I can't cook anything. Oh, it's like a fisherman. (laughs) No, look, um, I'm certainly... Certain you will use it like a leek, uh, right. perhaps, uh, you know, in a, a soup or, you know, in a stew or something like mm. that. Yeah. Right. So have That's you not right. used them before when you've grown them? No, I've just watched them grow fat and tall and just left them go to seed, put a brown paper bag over them, save the seed, and then put them in an empty Vegemite jar in the fridge till next season. And Oh, you were doing all that in your dad's memory for sure. Oh, probably. Yeah, that's yes, lovely, probably. darling. That's yes. lovely. But, yes, yeah, certainly. But it's a bit getting a bit hot now for soups and stews, isn't it? it? So, yes. Yeah. Yes. But anyway, I'll know what to do next winter, won't I? You will, certainly. Thanks so much Thank for you, your help, Helen. Then. Bye. Bye, then. All right, cheers, Helen. We've got Gwen from Beresfield, and she's got a question about spraying the mango tree. Hello, Gwen. Hello, Judy. How are you? I'm excellent, thank you. Here with a lovely young man having fun. How I've got to be happy, haven't I? Yes, definitely. Am I missing something? <laughs> um, just enjoy it. Thank you. Now, what could I help you with? Uh, Judy, I know you spray mango trees when the flowers are on before the little mangoes come every 14 days. That's right. How often do I keep that up? Oh, uh, have you had anthracnose? Is that why you're doing it? Do you get black I, on the leaves and black on the fruit? No, I do it to prevent that every year. Right, okay. Look, I think once the mango is set, you should be right. So once the little mangoes are there, yes, that should be right. I'm pretty sure you'd be right by then. Oh, good. I just didn't know how long I had to keep it going, you know. Yeah, mm. it is a repetitive um, treatment. Yeah. Uh, and. You know, even if you're worried and you do spray it for longer, it won't hurt them at all. But mm. just keep in mind, as they're ripening, there will be a withhold on that treatment, maybe three to five days before you eat. Oh, yes, yep. yes, I know that. Yeah, mm. 
Excellent. No, well, you know, mangoes are wonderful if you're growing them successfully. Good on you. Well, I do. I mean, I have a battle with the flying foxes, but they can eat the top layer, I tell them, and I look after the bottom layer. <laughs> well, and that seems ve- to go well. You're being very generous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Well, thank you, Judy. Thank That's you. Very much. Good luck with it. Right. Bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Cheers, Gwen. It's Gardening Talkback on 2 and you are at FM. 49216216 is the number of the dial if you want any questions answered by Judy Sharp. And we've got Kath from Adamstown, and she's got something eating her geraniums. Hello, Kath. Uh, hello, Judy. Um, look, just a quick question about my geraniums. I get up some mornings and, you know, something's come along. It's like they've just got a pair of scissors and gone and snipped off the lovely, luscious flowers. <laughs> Right. Okay. I'm getting some left behind, but then I just noticed, and anything else that's got a really nice little flower on it, um, I've got another little purple thing that's got a little fuzzy little um, uh, flower on the end. Well, that's all gone as well. It's eaten right back just to the to the base. And yeah, I don't know. I've looked for grubs and all the rest of it. Have found a couple of grubs, but there's no telltale signs of like you know how they leave their little bits behind. Yes, <laughs> um, they're droppings. Um, <laughs> that's it. Uh, the the other chap that you know does this program sometimes he would be he'd have been very crass then and called it something else but um, well that's right you know. we all know about that other chap yep yeah yeah now <laughs> that's um, a bit high class though <laughs> <laughs> Kath you're in Adamstown and I know what you've got in Adamstown because I've got them in Merryweather too you've really? got white cockatoos and you oh. probably don't see them but they're very naughty. And that's the kind of trick they do. We had one the other day, flew into the nursery, sat on a pedestal of, you know, one of those um, stone pedestals that I had flowers growing in, whipped off the flowers, dropped them on the ground and flew off again. Honestly, you could find, if they're being snapped cleanly, that it's the cockatoos being naughty. Mm, they are really, it's just like someone has got a pair of scissors and gone, wham. And cut them off clean, them. Yeah. yeah. Maybe someone yeah. has come across with a pair of scissors. Or maybe someone has. Yes. <laughs> probably, probably my husband, yeah. <laughs> but you know where Brunker Road meets City Road? Yeah. Every afternoon I go home that way and there are always a group of cockatoos sitting on the grass there. Now, you're not far from there at Adamstown, so I wouldn't be surprised if the geraniums are meeting their maker. You're probably doubting me on this, but I'll tell you a quick little story. When we lived at New Lambton, we had a swimming pool back in the day, and I had this fascination to grow big blow bowls of terracotta pots covered in calendulas, yellow, and blue adgeratum. And one afternoon when we got home from work, I looked out and the whole swimming pool was covered in the yellow calendulas and the blue adgeratums. They were floating. And I thought, oh, it's funny. Someone's been in our garden. So I walked out in the back. I walked out in the back deck, and there were two cockies. They trot over to the pot, bite them off, and go and drop them in the pool. Oh, yeah, that's a naughty thing they do. So, you know, there's not much you can do about it. But anyway, I'm not seeing any. You know, I'm not seeing anything. Any flowers on the ground though. Oh, I'm just no. I'm just something's um, yeah. eating them. Okay, well we might have to revert to possums in that case. Well, that's what. Yeah, I was thinking yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, yes, I possums. sorry, I didn't um, listen carefully enough. I thought we were still no, seeing the geranium okay, snapped. Yeah, no, because exactly. Um, I thought possums, and then when you said that, I thought, well, that's very possible as well. But then I thought, no, I haven't seen any 
little remnants left on the ground. No, so, the copies yeah. would just drop them, so it must be possums, dear. Right, okay. So okay, can't do much about that. Can't do much about that? No, you can't really. You know, there's people try everything, don't they? Can you build a scarecrow <laughs> or something, Cora? Oh, look, you yeah, know, you can cover them, with, <laughs> cover them with nets. You can do all manner of things. You can buy keep-off possums and poss oh, off, yeah, and yeah. you can also yeah. just go and buy some cloudy ammonia. And right. Oh, okay. You, yeah, I mean, it's a, a, a reasonable exercise, reasonably priced exercise, and, you know, just um, where they're... Are the geraniums in a garden bed? No, they're in some hanging baskets. In some hanging baskets. Are they hanging mm. near the fence or something? Yeah, yep, yep. Oh, well, no, it's possums. They'll be going along the fence having great fun. <laughs> oh, all right. And okay. just quickly, another question was um, transplanting some mother-in-law's tongue. Yep. If I want to put it in a different sort of shaped pot, am I going to get the droop? Are they going to just fall? <laughs> uh, or do I just plant look, them in that clump? Look, leave them in the clump unless you want to split it up because then they will get the droop if you split them. But they're right. hardy things. You really can't do much damage to them. That's yeah, why they're called okay. mother-in-law's tongue. That's exactly right. Yeah, so <laughs> no, you go for it. Just repot them and I'm sure they'll be fine. Yeah, all right. I'll try and keep them together and throw them in. Okay, thanks Thank very you, much. Thank you, Kath. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye. Tony from Raymond Terrace. And he wants to know how he can get rid of stink beetles from his orange and mandarin trees. Hello, Tony. Hello, how are you going? I'm excellent, thank you. And uh, this is an ongoing problem, these stink beetles, isn't it? I've got a million of them and I've, I've tried everything and I've sprayed them with oil, I've sprayed them with uh, soapy water and they tend to wash in that. They fall on the ground then they climb back up the tree again and they're there again, so I don't they know what to sure do. They sure do. I had a lady in the other day who told me she has a bucket at the bottom of the tree. And she oh, just right, eh? kind of hits them off into the bucket of water and drowns them. But I think that's um, going to take a long time, isn't it? I, I... think I need a 44-gallon drum to do that. <laughs> Me, <I've> got... <laughs> uh, Tony, you did mention oil. So did you only use the oil on its own? Yeah, I used the white oil. So it was in a, in a spray bottle and I, something else I brought from the, from the supermarket. But, and it just had pictures of them on it, but I can't remember what it was. But it didn't do any good. They just... They washed in it, actually. <laughs> and some fell off the tree, but then they just climbed straight back up again. Yeah, and, you know, the secret is to spray every 10 days so you get their hatching cycle. Can you yeah. try Malathon for me with a bit of white oil in it? Malathon, yeah. Malathon is a contact spray, um, yeah. and the little bit of white oil is going to stick it to that hard back. Yep. Yeah. It's oh, the Malathon that will kill him, but the white oil would just adhere it to his back. So I just mix 50-50 or...? Oh, probably not that much white oil. I'd see, you know, rather see more malathon going on the wretches. Yeah, um, all right then. But do repeat it in 10 days' time and maybe might have to do it a couple of times. All right then. And I'm pretty sure that's going to get rid of them for you. OK, then. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thanks, Tony. We've got Wendy from Adamstown Heights and she's got another question about jacaranda trees. Hopefully a positive one. Oh, I'm sure it would be. Hi, Wendy. Hello, hello, Judy. Judy, are jacarandas a native? Yes, to South Africa. Right. I, I must have said to one of my gardeners that, you know, they're getting a bit old and scrappy, the ones, you know, have been there for years and years and years. And Oh, he said, you can't take them out. You know, people can dob you in if a neighbour knows that that jacaranda tree's gone and you can be fined.
Uh, no, they're not native to Australia, definitely not. Um, but, um, you know, he's right to a certain extent. You do need to just follow the council rules and laws on taking trees out. Um, they don't necessarily uh, have to be a native for the council to say no. Uh, but um, I'd just give the council a ring. Uh, Newcastle City Council, seeing you're from Adamstown Heights. Double check, um, you know, they have a certain distance from the house regulation. Um, if Scott was here, he'd know that off pat, but uh, I'm sorry, it slipped my mind how far it is. Uh, but definitely they're not natives, so... Right. Is, is that no, your... I, I, was, I thought, uh, <laughs> you know, when, when he said it, it's the last thing I thought of. Is you know, that I, your gardener telling you I might that? replace it with, with some new ones, you know. Is that your gardener telling you that? Yes. Oh, right, okay. Well, um, um, hmm. but you can correct him now anyway. <laughs> right, Al. Thank you, Thanks, Mike. Wendy. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. It's an interesting one, a gardener telling you that. Yes, yeah, well, there's gardeners. <laughs> All right. <it's... laughs> what are we going to say, Greg? I mean... <laughs> Let's just go to Steve from Curry. That's he, a good idea. He needs advice about spraying his fig tree. Hello, Steve. Hello, Judy. How are you? I'm fighting fit, dear. That's good. Judy, I've got to say that I did love your little passionate smack you gave Scotty at the beginning of the show <laughs> to the point where um, I can't wait for Scott to come on and, uh, and respond. I think it's going to be gold. I can't wait for him to come back on. But the only thing is, Steve, he's not listening. Oh, damn. Oh, you see, I took an, an ideal opportunity to get him today. He should be studying hard right now. <laughs> he should be, yeah. <laughs> I'm you sure could, there'll be a recording that he can get. You <laughs> could ring him next week and you can tell him. <laughs> Judy, what I, I've got a uh, big tree, and uh, last year it fruited very well. I've got a net over the top of it, and, but it got a black scale on the leaf, and um, some sort of a bug was eating all the leaves, and um, it looked terrible, and I think it was affecting the fruit, and that's it got on the fruit. Um, oh. And I was wondering, is there any sort of a spray that I can do? Because all the fresh leaves are starting to come through now. Yes, yeah. And I'd rather nip it in the body pardon the pun, uh, before it starts again. Now, Steve, um, when you say it was black, was it um, like, it wasn't actually an insect, was it? No, it was like a black scale um, but, on on the top side of the leaf, Judy. Right, um, and did it then go onto the fruit. Yes, it did. Yes, it got that... onto the fruit in a scale form. Right. Okay. Um, look, obviously, you spray scale with malathion and white oil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so perhaps if you start doing that. Um, you know, there's no point in doing it till you actually see it there. Mm -hmm. um, unless you start spraying with an eco oil as a preventative. When you, you try eco doing that. oil, Judy, what do you mean by an eco oil? Well, they're actually labelled eco oil. Um, yes. There's eco fins, um, um, and they are um, uh, they're non chemical, but they need to be sprayed regularly to put up a barrier. You see. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you go away, say you're going to Hawaii for two weeks, in a couple of weeks' yeah. time, um, they will then attack when once that barrier isn't kept going. So okay. I'd be inclined, um, you can either wait till you see it, but then, you know, you're kind of um, closing the gate and the horse is bolted. Uh, I'd get some eco-oil, and there's plenty of them around on the market now, and start spraying them regularly, 
you know, have you taken any of that fruit with a scale on into your local garden centre? No, I haven't, and I think I might have to do that. Yeah, you see, because that's what anthracnose does to mangoes, but it doesn't look like scale. So I'm, uh, I haven't really had a case of uh, the figs having the anthracnose on them, but if you, to, if you do get it, take some into your garden centre and have it checked, darling. Mind you, the, the fruit that I picked last year I made fantastic big jam with, but um, there was still a lot that I had to, um, throw to leave away. and throw away. Yeah. yeah, well, that's a shame. Yeah, so, OK, let's start with getting some eco-oil and um, spraying it regularly. And then, as I said, if, if you do manage, if you do get it, take it into your garden centre. OK, thank you very much, Judy. It's I'm sorry I can't help you, you any more with that, Steve. OK, uh, thanks for your help. Thank you, bye. Bye. Cheers, thanks very much, Steve. And Judy, I think we've got time for one more caller for the day, and we've got Keith from Lambton, and he's got advice about stink bugs as well. Oh, excellent. We like feedback. It's good stuff. Yeah, OK, Keith. Oh, good Good afternoon. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. I've been fighting stink bugs for years. I've got a number of citrus trees, and believe it or not, I've tried most things, but what really does work is an insecticide called black flag, and it's blowfly strength. It's in a black tin, and it stuns them. It's the only one. You can spray more tea and all these other things. They bath in it. But for some reason, black flag stuns them. They either fall off the tree dead or they fall to the ground and then they'll try and get back up the, up the tree and you spray them again with it, stone dead. I've killed hundreds of them on my trees this season. Now, Keith, this black flag, is it like a fly spray? It is, but it, I don't know why it works, but it just does. It's, it's got on the kin... Uh, can rapid kill blow fly strength yeah, and it just it just stuns them now the other thing i do after i've been around the tree there's some of them will grip onto the tree because they're stunned and you get a broom and you just sort of bash them down and someone else talked about a bucket i've done that too you fill it with water and you put a little bit of terps in the top and if they're still alive they're stunned you can pick them up with some pincers or something, put them in the water, they float to the top, and the turps kills them instantly. So that's, that's what I do. Now, after that, I'll get a hose and I'll just sort of wash the tree. Yeah, I was going to say, Keith, now I've got a real difficulty with this because, mm. Um, mm. you know, the government have very strict regulations about what you spray onto edible fruit. Oh, um, well, there's there's no fruit on the tree at this stage. No, but, um, you know, I still think that the tree could absorb it. Uh, could, could a little, but I've I've done it for years and years. Last year I and had And you're still alive, Keith, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had a thousand mandarins, I kid you not. I've got four trees and I've got a couple of lemon trees. I had, oh, 100, 200... They're big, established trees, and that's what I've done year in, year out. Well, we should qualify this for the other listeners, Keith. You mm. don't spray that spray when there are fruit on there. Oh, no. no. Well, stink bugs aren't around there. No. There's no oh, reason to. Yeah, it depends whether you're getting rid of them or not. Yeah, well, yeah, the stink bug season is about oh, end of September, early October, through to about oh, December. 
Yeah, well, there are some fruit trees that might be fruiting then. But anyway, no, well, not not mine. Anyway, okay. I've got I've got mandarins, I've got imperials and thornies, um, and I've got uh, lemons. So eureka and a, well, lemons fruit all year round. That's a fair point. Yeah, um, Keith, but before we go, you and I, mm. we have to assure the other listeners that they're never to spray that when there's fruit around. Okay. And look, yep. I, th- I think that's um, very interesting that that works for you, and I appreciate the call. Yeah, well, I, 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 as I said, I really have tried them all, and this one, I don't know what's in it, but it, it kills them stone dead. Well, I hope it does. It might get the little calypso bug, the new one. Keith, <laughs> we're running out of time, unfortunately, okay. but that was really interesting. Thank you very much for the call. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers. Thanks, Keith. Well, Judy, that is all for us this Monday afternoon. It is, Greg. What an interesting day. It has been a very interesting it afternoon. It has. We didn't even get around to talk about seven weeks to Christmas, put your colour in and all that kind no. of jazz, but Scott can do that. He can cover that next week. Yeah. Then it'll be six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.